0: I am Jen Wilson, author and body, mind, and soul coach. Welcome to the I Am podcast, where we explore who you are. Hello, and welcome to the I Am Jen Wilson podcast. It is your host here, Jen Wilson, and I'm just giving you a quick intro to today's podcast. So today's podcast is unlike anyone that I've done before, because this was a three-way conversation between myself, Lindsay, and Emma. Now, Lindsay and Emma are the hosts of a podcast called Voices of Yoga. And I met up with Lindsay to talk about her being a guest on my podcast, and she wanted to talk about me being a guest on her podcast. And what we decided to do was have a three-way conversation so that we could answer all the questions and sort of kill kill all the birds with one stone, so to speak. So I had a question for each of Emma and Lindsay, and they both had a question for me. So there's a little bit more chat from me than usual on today's podcast. It was a really fun conversation. You'll notice the podcast is also a little bit shorter today their normal podcasts are between 10-15 and 15 minutes, though we only went about half an hour for this week's podcast. So much fun to do that three-way conversation. Obviously, I had technical issues before we even started, but Lindsay has managed to edit things up for us so that it sounds so much better. So I do appreciate that, Lindsay. Thank you so much. So Listening to today's podcast. Hope you enjoy it. Let us know what you think and remember to share with anyone that you think will get benefit from it. So I will speak to you on the other side. Enjoy!
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this special and rather unique and unusual podcast today. We're collaborating with I Am Jen Wilson podcast and Emma and myself, Lindsay, of Voices of Yoga podcasts. And really just thinking about the, the yogic theory, one of the, the yamas satya and speaking your truth. We uh, have joined up with Jen and we've been having some conversations because we're all passionate about sharing people's stories and that idea of speaking your truth. And we thought it'd be kind of fun and a bit different to come up on a podcast and talk to each other, almost like the interview, uh, becoming the interviewee and kind of background circle again. So we hope you enjoy our chat today and uh, perhaps discover some more about podcasting and who we are behind the scenes, um, sharing our passion and energy to bring other stories to you. To begin with, I'm going to ask Jen a question. So uh, welcome to the podcast, Jen.
0: (laughs) Hi, thanks for
1: having me on. So, Jen. Having seen all the great things that you offer and you have this incredible online presence and um, I loved it when I met you in person quite recently, how grounded you are and uh, you have this very unassuming nature and yet you have so much about (coughs) you. Um, I also understand alongside everything you do, uh, you're a yogi and you have a regular yoga practice and you teach Um, and you also manage a long-term condition called Crohn's disease. I'm sure some of our listeners will be familiar with, others not so much. I'd like to hear more about how you find your yoga practice support this and how you manage your yoga practice alongside living with this condition.
0: I started to take Not Well around the end of October 2016. I had really bad mouth ulcers. I was having problems at the tail end with what I thought were really bad hemorrhoids. By the end of January... I was feeling really fatigued and I had fallen away from my yoga practice probably around the summer of 2016 just because I'd got really busy doing all the indoor cycling classes to teach and personal training and going to the gym and everything was go, 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 go for me and I wasn't taking any time to ground and the day that I got diagnosed was the 4th of March 2017. That was when I had my colonoscopy and I remember I was still like quite heavily sedated and I'm lying on my couch and I had just kind of woken up and I was like to my mum and dad, I need to do my yoga teacher training, I need to go back to yoga and I just had this, it was this really intuitive pull to go back to it, It was like I've totally lost connection to myself from not doing any of the yoga so I'd spoken to Mark Russell who you've had on the podcast in the past he, he had been my yoga teacher for a couple of years he was like come along to anything that you feel up to coming along because some days you'll feel like doing things other days you won't started reading loads of books on Ayurveda particularly that was something that really called out to me and um, I went to a talk with a man called david hamilton who has a book called heal your mind heal your body and he's very much into about practicing kindness and when i had spoken to david at his workshop he, the people with autoimmune diseases tend to be the most self-critical and over analytical people which i was just like yeah that makes total sense like i was always putting myself down and beating myself up for not being enough even though I was constantly on the go and constantly doing things it was like I needed to do more I needed to do more and I really found the the meta prayer the loving kindness meditation was something that had been really helpful and as I started to feel a little bit better from making a daily practice of the meditations and starting to connect to myself spiritually from the stuff that I was learning with Mark that everything just started in my body to feel much better and when I could physically move that's when I started to bring in a little bit more physical practice so that I could start unblocking the system because for all, for quite a few months I'd had to just lie on the couch it was in so much pain I felt like everything was so stagnant so I really needed to, to bring the practice in so when I did then bring the practice in it was really really gentle practice it was listening to myself being kind to myself and really making that a, a, the sort of foundation of my practice is what can i do to be kind to myself and that was what really helped does that answer your question
1: <laughs> it does beautifully thank you for sharing it.
0: <laughs> emma hi so my listeners on my podcast are going to be getting a copy of this as well and my podcast is i am jen wilson podcast and i like to talk to people and explore a little bit more about what's going on behind maybe something that they've got going on in their life. And when we had our conversation last week when we were talking about what we could bring to this podcast, Emma had mentioned that one of the things that brought her to yoga was problems with her back pain. And I would like to know more about the back pain of have you any inclination now looking back on was there something that caused that back pain and how did yoga help you on your journey to healing?
2: Thanks, Jen. It's actually a really great question because, funnily enough, back pain was the thing that got me into yoga, but also yoga got me out of back pain. So um, it's something that I'm fairly passionate about, and it actually started way back when I had two cesarean sections, and a physio asked me because I was having back pain, he asked if I'd tried yoga before, which at that stage I hadn't. So I took her advice. And I found a very local class and it was a very slow and gentle Hatha class that I went to um, every sort of one evening for a number of weeks. And, And really within a short amount of time, I really did find a big difference with the pain that was going on in my back. So that was great. And it was actually that experience. I loved yoga so much that led me to consider becoming a yoga teacher. I had in fact been a gymnast before so in terms of the asana part of yoga I found it really quite easy so moving from gymnastics into yoga was quite an easy transition my flexibility was good and I I was fairly competent with with a lot of the poses and it was because of that that I sort of led naturally into teacher training Um, so I did that and I ended up practicing ashtanga yoga which most of you will be familiar with but if you're not it's a fairly dynamic style it's fairly athletic so I practiced that but I actually taught a lot of Vinyasa flow which again is fairly dynamic moving with the breath but I started to notice that my back was niggling a little now and again particularly as my own practice advanced and my teaching increased it came and went a bit so Like a lot of people do, I did tend to ignore it. And then about five years ago, and I've been teaching for about 14 years now, so about five years ago, my back just decided it it had enough. And it basically packed in on me. And I went into a stage of acute pain. And it was a shame because it really meant that I had to stop teaching altogether. It was as instant as that. Obviously, now, with what I know from the training that I've done, that I was probably in the very early stages of um, a herniated disc or certainly a bulging disc in my lower back. Um, and one of the key signs was that forward folding was exacerbating the situation. So as you know, with Ashtanga, there's a lot of forward folding. So I just found that my back just didn't want to do it anymore. So with no teaching, I thought, oh goodness, what am I going to do now? and I started doing just very gentle restorative practice in my own time and I really did think at that stage that actually teaching might not be on the cards for me anymore which was a bit devastating but like anything you kind of have a choice at that point and I decided that I would instead of giving into it I would go and learn as much as I can about backs and in particular about my back and at the same time, someone suggested going to Ayanga yoga, which, if you don't know, it's very alignment-based. It's very anatomical. The poses are held more statically than what I was doing, which was very flowing from one movement to another. And they use props. So straight away, I found that my back was starting to slowly recover. Um, it was certainly feeling a lot better and so I really sort of thought that that was a key sign that that maybe was a better style for what I had going on in my back. Between retraining my own body, I really became aware of how it wanted to work. And I went on to train and read and study and practice. And I ended up actually doing a course with Dr. Robin Monroe, who is the Yoga Biomedical Trust. And he very much focuses on um, herniated discs and yoga and how it can be helpful but the key things that you need to do and understand when when you're in that state I learned loads I learned a lot about my own back but mostly I learned that I was relying a lot on my own natural flexibility and that I'd actually become quite weak in certain parts of my body and so my back was doing a lot of work that it shouldn't have been doing and now I know that if I can change or or be aware of the position of my pelvis particularly in forward folding that I can actually alleviate the problem and the pain altogether so that that was great and I'm now back to thankfully full teaching and a full practice um, but a totally new approach because of what I've been through and I think the key things for me that I want to bring in is awareness to my students about how their own individual body works. I love a prop because now I can use props to support my body and not just rely on my flexibility. I really encourage a lot of strength and stability work in my classes. I like to bring in some alignment and that also throw in a bit of anatomy. Um, Because the whole thing then, I think, gives people an education as to how their back works. And even if they don't have a sore back at the time, that they may avoid a sore back in the future. I mean, I do think that that low back pain um, can really be helped by yoga, but it has to be with awareness, possibly with a style that's more suited to a low back problem and with an experienced teacher, because it's just that little bit of extra understanding that can really prevent any more episodes in the future.
0: It's funny that your story's not that dissimilar to mine, that you were doing something that you really loved to a point where you had completely switched off from your own body and then it, it broke and stopped you.
2: And one of the things I think when you first qualify is that you go into your teaching and your own practice and take a back seat. And of course, we know now as experienced teachers that that's kind of the last thing we want to do. But it's the first thing that happens. So, Lindsay, you're trying to answer the question. I've been aware
0: of your stuff for quite a while. I saw stuff on social media. I reorganised the free event, at Gallery of Modern Art. And that was for Sammy H, the Scottish mental Mental health um, charity that you're very involved in. And I've been following your journey and you more recently took yoga to Parliament. And you reached out to me before I got a chance to reach out to you um, because you were on my list of people that I wanted to speak to and I wanted to have on my podcast. So when you messaged me, I was like, oh my God, you messaged me first. And it was like one of those really excited moments. <laughs> So thank you very much for reaching out, first of all. Um, so can you tell me and also the listeners, what was it that got you involved with the sort of mental health charity and also involved us getting things to Parliament?
1: Sure. Can I first say, isn't synchronicity an amazing thing? For sure. <laughs> I think when you see someone struggling with their mental health or you see some of the signs of it, or maybe even find one day that you don't feel so good in yourself compared to what you used to. I think that's when you often realize that there's a need and there's an importance to take some time to think about what your mental health is or how you can change things or feel better and through support, through exercise, because we're all familiar with the need to be physically exercised, but that idea of actually being good to your mental health because it is a thing. And for me, unfortunately, I lost a good friend who was struggling with their mental health. And I think part of the drive behind me being or spreading awareness and being engaged in the charity work that Sam H. do is uh, really the thought that she's spurring me on from some other place. And I'm sure that some of the ideas I come up with somehow are, are coming through that connection and um, I just really feel that spreading awareness is a good place to start and I've just found myself in a position where I've been able to do that and you know um, approaching things like parliament and having them open the door to coming talking about and you know just tying it in with the benefits that yoga can bring as part of that journey and yoga is now proven as many of us have known and, and read by all the research that's been coming out how Yoga can be helpful to um, reduce anxiety to as a coping mechanism for things like depression to help alleviate stress. Um, just as one thing in a toolkit, and um, working with SAMH has just really impressed me because they're such a huge organisation. They're the largest mental health charity across Scotland. They're also the the advisors to the government on policy, but at the same time, they have this open door, so when I approach them, they've just been more than willing and welcoming to work with me and support and and sort of put into place some of these ideas, and um, I think that's just a wonderful thing to see, and it's just kind of snowballed from there. In a way, the time is now, it's always been now, but there seems to be a more openness, I think, for many people about able to talk, able to listen about what our mental health and well-being is and ways that we can help ourselves, help one another. So I feel like I'm still on this journey. It's a really important and interesting and engaging journey for me, but for many. It's been
0: really great to watch and to see how much of an impact it's had, because One of the other things that you both were involved in was the calendar that came out last year for Sam H. And that was just, it was so nice just to see the collaboration that you managed to get with all the different teachers.
1: And I think one thing we've realised, and maybe I'm just sort of stepping into it, is um, to be this role of this connecting. So connecting yogis, but connecting that with the outside world. And, you know, it's a privilege to be able to be that and instigate it, and be part of it, and yeah, I think it's it's worldwide, really. I mean, even through the things that we do, like this podcasting, the reach is just endless, isn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, but it's something so important, important that we need to keep spreading out because we're always hearing about somebody who's taken their life or somebody who's really suffering, and we all know people that have have problems and struggle with mental health. So we need to the people that can be there we need to step up and be there as the support to, think, to let people know that they're
1: not alone I think so and sometimes telling a story is one way to reach people and I know many of us yogis in Scotland now are signing up to the mental health charter for physical activity and sport and that's another tool that's just sort of showing taking awareness into a bit more activity and action and being able to share ideas and messages with um, our yoga students but also beyond that so it's nice that um, there are places we're taking it to
0: Do you feel like there's a positive outcome coming out of Parliament from
1: it? There's definitely a positive ripple effect. So um, I've been having discussions with taking some yoga sessions into Parliament themselves, you know, like the idea of their own well-being. They have very high pressure roles to play. Also, some of the MSPs, so members of Scottish Parliament that came along to the evening have been in touch to say they love what they heard. Um, Could I connect them with yogis in their areas to do similar kind of events? So there's a few things like that rolling out. So yeah, I just think that that ripple effect is still going on. There's probably more that can happen, but it's starting and that's good.
2: So Jane, I think I'm going to Send another one your way, if that's okay. (laughs) That's
1: okay, yes. (laughs) So,
2: um, when we previously spoke, I understand that you actually trained um, as a personal trainer and you studied sport and exercise science at uni. So, obviously, your knowledge of anatomy is fairly extensive. And like me, I think we both confess to be a bit of anatomy geeks. Mm-hmm, yeah. I was wondering if you could share your thoughts on the level of anatomy training within the 200 hour teacher training courses that we see. Um, and if you have any key anatomy tips. Okay, yes.
0: So I, yeah, when I was looking through the sort of outline of the 200 hour yoga teacher training, I was really surprised to see that there was only 20 hours of that we are sort of dedicated to anatomy and physiology because for the majority of teachers out there, they're going out and they're teaching the physical practice classes. They're not going out so much and teaching the philosophy and maybe not the meditation and all the other stuff that seems to be more involved in the the yoga teacher training. And I was having a look back at what I did when I was at college and I was at uni. And over the three years that I did my HND and my degree, I did about it was 80 hours a year of um, anatomy and physiology a lot of it was um, the systems so cardiovascular, respiratory, digestive, um, all the internal systems that work and some of it you do think I don't really think that's particularly relative but now that I've had all those hours and I'm going into different areas you go oh actually yeah it's, it is good to understand how all these different systems work as well as how the muscles work and what how things are connected and what causes what to move so that you can get a better idea. I mean so if you work in the fitness industry if you want to go and get your level two and um, to work in the gym if you want to, you need that if you want to teach body balance or if you want to teach um, exercise in pregnancy or boxing or indoor cycling or just and conditioning or any of these other kind of courses that you want to do you have to have a minimum of that 80 hours anatomy and physiology for the, the sort of base understanding so I really think that for yoga teachers it would be so beneficial like if it, even if you don't see it as beneficial to that initial 200 hours go and find somebody that teaches a really good course. So you've got people like Gary Carter and Leslie Kamenoff that have got really, really good courses out there that you can tap into. They'll do Some of them will do just weekends that you can go along to and tap into a weekend of it rather than taking on their full um, year-long courses that, that they've got. But the more knowledge that you can get to understand how people's bodies move, the more that you realise and understand that Not every every body is the same body and those bodies change from day to day as well as from person to person. So quite often you'll see the Instagram posts or even in some of the books. And I know that I anger when he was doing his through his training, everything is very much about this perfect alignment. But most people's bodies don't go into that. And I know a lot of people that have been injured, not just in yoga classes, but in other physical classes where a teacher's tried to get somebody to have their body in a specific way so that it looks like a picture in a book rather than looking at this person and seeing what's going on in their body and encouraging them to be the teacher of themselves so that the person who is doing the physical practice is thinking, right, does this feel right in my body? What can I do to make this feel better? If it's something is really out of alignment, it's probably causing pain somewhere in the body. So what can you do to alleviate that pain? What can be worked to... What muscles need strengthened? What muscles need um, released? Because quite often when people... What I've found, because I, I do massage, um, I do dynamic Thai massage, and I've got like quite a, a wide scope of looking at people's bodies and sometimes what happens is somebody will be like, oh, my shoulder's really tight, my shoulder's, my neck's really tight. When you go to massage it, the tightness isn't actually coming from the neck, it's coming from the chest, where the chest is really tight and it's pulling the neck forward. So you could spend hours massaging in the back and the neck and never make any difference because if you don't have that knowledge that the opposing muscles could be the ones that are tight, that are pulling things out of alignment rather than where the pain is, is actually... The bit that feels sore isn't necessarily the bit that's
2: tight. And it's a bit like Leslie Kominoff says, that it's it's not alignment of the pose, it's that people have alignment. So it's yeah. trying to match it with the person as opposed to that picture, as you say, in the book. Yeah. Being able to get the people
0: in your class to understand that no two people are going to look the same in the class. So when everybody's going into warrior one or warrior two or ch- even child's pose, no two people's shape is going to be the same because your physical body is a different shape, because we're all different heights and sizes and widths, but your flexibility and your hips and your lower back and everything there is going to be slightly different because everybody's got a different physical history. So if somebody was injured as a really small child, that could then have an impact on how their body moves as an adult. Their body will have learned a way to compensate and to be okay, and as long as it's not causing pain anywhere else in the body, that's fine, you shouldn't be... I don't I personally don't think we should be trying to connect and realign things unless it's causing pain
2: and discomfort somewhere in the body. Yes, it's it's one of those ones that um alignment can mean kind of two different things, doesn't it? Yeah. So it's just sort of staying within for me as well, a bit like you, just staying within the alignment of the person and um, not being too focused on the look of the pose. And yeah. Linda and I are great advocates of that. Um, real people doing yoga, not picture yoga on Instagram and and that's really what the calendar was trying to represent was the fact that it's just real people and whatever they present at class is is their real yoga not necessarily being able to touch your toes or all the so yeah I kind of get you on all of that definitely I was also going to ask you Jen just to touch briefly on your warrior woman project because I think people in our podcast certainly would be very interested to hear about what you're doing there Yes, so the
0: Warrior Woman Project is my programme that I created and I also wrote a book, so I've written a book called Become a Warrior Woman, Nine Rules to Sort Your Shit Um, and it's about being able to look at your life where you are right now and being able to take a step back and assess whether what's going on in your life is okay because it's so easy to get bogged down and stuck in a place where you think everything's rubbish. And really, it might be one tiny element of your life that's rubbish, but that has had a domino effect and knocked everything else off balance. So when I'm working with clients and within the book, the first task I get people to do is to do a wheel of happiness. So look at different areas and aspects of your life, its relationships, whether it's your money, your job, your health. And even within those different heads, different aspects of it. So if it's relationships, relationships with who, is it work? Is it your family? Is it your partner? Is it whoever? And then you score them out of 10. So when you score it out of 10, 10 is everything's absolutely perfect. You wouldn't change it. Zero is, oh my God, I can't deal with this. This is horrendous. And sometimes some something has to be horrendous for other things to be better. So when I was sick, I had to stop putting any effort and work into my business. I had to put all my focus into my health. So it was, when you look at your spinning plates, which are the most important ones to keep balanced and to keep spinning, and which ones can you just go, do you know what, and you put them to the side just now. So we work, we work on that. We look at values and how your values fit in different areas of your life. So when you understand what your values are, why they're important to you and what the definition of those values are, you can understand who you are as a person and make decisions in life a lot easier and from a place of more certainty. So if you're saying no to somebody else, you know that it's because you're saying yes to yourself and knowing that that's okay. And if you say yes to somebody else, you might be saying no to yourself, but you also need to check that that's okay. So you're working from a place of self-love and self-care. Within the the book and the the programme that I do, I've got a chapter that's called If You Want to Have the Cake, Eat It. And that's all about not beating yourself up. If you're eating cake and really enjoying it, sit down and enjoy the cake and enjoy every mouthful and don't feel guilty about it. But if you're eating that cake and going, oh my God, I shouldn't have done that, I shouldn't have done that, that's going to have a really negative effect, both on your physical body, but also on your mental health. Um, So it's giving yourself awareness of what it is that you're doing and the practices that you're doing and be okay with them because they fit your goals and values and then being able to let go of the negative limiting beliefs that you're holding on to that you want to
1: be able to feel freer within yourself that's great thank you both thank us all for uh, sharing and sharing some of our truths today i think we've been really genuine and authentic in what we've been discussing and um hopefully our listeners will uh, will find that a joy to have heard it was a joy to be part of so just to say anybody that's wanting to tune in to the podcast that emma and i share which is voicesofyoga.com we interview yogis from around the world sharing their story and wisdom and insights to help inspire others and Jen do you want to end just a little bit about your podcast as well yeah so the
0: I am Jen Wilson podcast is about exploring who people are and the stories behind how they got to where they've got to so there's a lot of people that have maybe faced some challenges in life and they've overcome them come out the other side and it's all normal people doing normal things that we celebrate and they're great to have on and great inspiring stories to share
1: Lovely. Shall we do just a big universal namaste to finish on? Yes. (laughs) Namaste.
0: Namaste.